everyone, Liz Collin here. Thank you for joining us and welcome to Liz Collin Reports, a place for truth and meaningful Minnesota conversations. On the podcast today, we are back digging into COVID data with Morena Muse. She joined us back in April after her investigation of Minnesota death certificates went viral. She worked with attorney Greg Polis and found of all the 2020 and 2021 Minnesota death certificates analyzed, only 291 or just 2.67% of the 10,903 certificates examined were COVID-only deaths with no comorbidity listed. Morena, thank you again for being with us in studio today. Thank you, Liz. And I know we are talking about a few different data points that you've been able to dig into uh, that, again, I think are going to open some eyes here. So we appreciate you being back on to talk about this. But I want to begin with kind of the situational update on COVID. The headline over the Memorial Day weekend uh, was this from a national publication, reported COVID infection levels nearly six times higher than last Memorial Day. That's according to CDC data. What's going on here? And what did you find in Minnesota? Sure. So um, I believe that was nationally based information. So uh, what I did is I wanted to do a sanity check to see how that compared to what was going on in Minnesota. So I I, uh, compared May 2021 to May 2022 because the weeks are are the the holiday weekend. I'm not sure what's encapsulated in that. I just looked at the whole month. Uh, regardless, I found in Minnesota that deaths were up, excuse me, that infections were up 2.7 times as compared to the headline of six times. So who knows, um, you know, why that is, but here in Minnesota, it's uh, far less than what that headline indicates. And most importantly, far less when you're looking at uh, hospitalizations. Right. So as you'll notice, the headline was infections, and a lot has changed in uh, May of 2022 versus May of 2021. First and foremost, we have the second (coughs) variant of the uh, Omicron or BA2, I think they call it, uh, which is not as nearly as infectious as the variant that was going around over a year ago. So if so, I decided let's look at the hospitalization and death data, current versus last year, and here's what I found. So for ICU, uh, I found that the ICU rate was down by 42% year over year, even though the infections were 2.7 times. And I found for deaths year over year, they were down 38%. So this is information that's kept out of the headlines, of course. I didn't see that in that article. And and this is sort of the, the point you're, you're here to make again is, what is the point, uh, if you will, of we're, we, we do see these headlines, we see these trackers attached to different uh, media organizations in town, just keeping, still, we're seeing case numbers, case numbers, case numbers. But is there any point to, to be putting that information out there, in your opinion? In my opinion, the answer is no. Um, When you look at what really matters, what are we trying to do? I would say we're trying to keep people out of the hospital and we're trying to prevent people from from dying. Um, Right. I know, uh, Marina, you also did some digging into booster protection specifically. You fired back recently at a Star Tribune reporter who wrote an article entitled, New Minnesota Breakthrough COVID-19 Data Backs Boosters Protection. Now, so 
to summarize, though, this is kind of an analysis from the state that shows the risk of hospitalization and death as a result of COVID-19. And they're saying it's lower among those with booster shots. I'll just read a a quote uh, from the article. Protection was greatest among seniors who, if unvaccinated, were 1.6 times more likely over the past 60 days to be hospitalized with COVID-19 than fully vaccinated people. And unvaccinated seniors were nearly five times more likely to be hospitalized than seniors who received scheduled boosters. This is all from state data. But you called this story reckless and for a few reasons. I I certainly did. That's a good word. Um, I'm actually going to start off by reading the very first sentence from that article. So according to the article, it said COVID-19 vaccine boosters have decreased rates of hospitalizations and deaths in Minnesota, according to new state breakthrough infection data. With that said, I want to summarize uh, or read a quote at the end of the article, which was buried at the end. And actually, I didn't even notice it the first or second time I read it. But I think it's important and critical to put this into context. It says, doctors are reporting that more COVID hospitalizations this spring involve patients who were admitted for other reasons and only discovered their infection upon routine testing. So I started thinking about that a little bit, and I was curious what the hospital admission policy was. What's the testing policy when people come to the hospital? What really got me to thinking about that is someone close to me was in the ICU uh, recently, uh, about a little over a month ago, And that person was indeed boosted. And uh, I called them up and said, just curious, were you tested for COVID uh, when you went to the hospital? The answer is no. That person was readmitted uh, for just a check-in two to three weeks later, and they were not tested for COVID at that time either. So, I went ahead and I I started looking for uh, the hospital's vaccine testing policy. And you found a lot of differences. I mean, North Memorial, I know you pointed out specifically. Yes. So the hospital this person went to was actually North Memorial. And I found their policy. I just searched for it on the internet. And in their policy, it says that if you are vaccinated, they won't require testing upon admission, but if you are unvaccinated, that they will test people upon admission. So this is one of the points where I thought this article was very reckless. And uh, I shared with the author that had that had he checked into the policy and he didn't respond to me, but if you tested all people, I think that would change the statistics just a bit, especially when you refer back to that last line that I read or the one I quoted near the end of the article, which basically says people are incidentally testing upon admission. And that would be a statement primarily of the unvaccinated, coincidentally, because we're not necessarily testing the vaccinated. And you get into the numbers um, according to uh, the Minnesota Department of Health's age-adjusted data. So this Mm -hmm. is from May 1st. But these aren't really that large numbers to really draw conclusions from? They're not. And uh, they're basically not. Um, 
let me share. I, I think maybe I'll shift a little bit instead of focusing on the numbers because I think that this is all. I mean, we're talking about, I should, I should just quantify, we're talking about a, a few hundred people. That's it. Yes. Uh, but something interesting to notice is that uh, the vaccine, according to studies that are peer-reviewed these days, is waning after only eight weeks. So if you put that into context, and if you look at the period of time that the author reviewed uh, the hospital admissions and deaths, et cetera, it was over the last 60 days. So uh, I would imagine that in another 60 days that we would start seeing uh, that change unless there's a fourth booster and fifth booster, et cetera. So as you point out, if the vaxxed are not tested for admissions to hospital, both hospital rates and death rates for the vaxxed and boosted will be lower. Precisely. Um, and I should ask too, did you hear back from that reporter? I did not. <laughs> uh, and I, and the thing is, we're all trying to, to get this information, um, People are still wondering, you know, how long will will boosters last? Uh, You know, when do they wane? And those are the questions we really still don't have answers to. That's correct. Next, you looked into the category of all causes of death for 49 and under in Minnesota. Back to the death records. I know a dark topic for sure, but I I really think this is quite eye-opening, too. Um, There's an article that you referred back to from January. The head of an Indianapolis-based insurance company, One America, said that the death rate is up a stunning 40% from pre-pandemic levels, again, among working-age people. So he says, we're seeing right now the highest death rates we've seen in the history of this business, not just at One America, and that's from the company's CEO, Scott Davidson. But you found that we have a similar situation in Minnesota, and COVID not really the the number one culprit, uh, if you will. That's correct. So that uh, article inspired some thought. And um, I actually have broken down the data in two different data sets. One is 5 to 17. And the other is actually 5 to 55, excuse me, 18 to 55. And so um, I did have a typo. It wasn't 49. It was 55. My apologies. Um, so do you want me to start with maybe the working age folks? Yeah, yeah, I think that that makes sense. So again, this is age uh, up to age uh, 55. Correct. Uh, so what I did is I looked at the five-year uh, death average for that age group. And, and this is 2015 to 2019 is where you're getting this average from. Okay. That's exactly correct. And it's 2,783 was the average death rate in that age group per year. In Minnesota again. In yep. Minnesota. And uh, it had it, it was relatively flat, showed a 3%-ish increase over time. So uh, then I looked at 2020, and the increase over the average was an astounding 25-plus percent. And that is astounding. More than 25% increase yes. in, in the death rate. And, and read those numbers for us, too. So that would have been, that equated to 710 deaths over average, keeping in mind the average was 2,783. So 710 more. And of those 710, I'm sure your listeners would want to know how many of those are COVID. Exactly. Uh, COVID was uh, 124. And for those that listened to your previous podcast on this, uh, you'll remember that 
every person that ever tested positive of COVID and died, they're pretty much capturing that there. So that's probably even an inflated number there. And just percentage-wise, that's 17% total. Um, 17% of the total 710. Over average. Correct. Wow. Now, what was even more shocking was the 2021 number, which keeping in mind that we have vaccines uh, available for people, but the average was up 1,298 over average or almost 47%, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of those 1,298, 335 or 25.8% of those were COVID related. Wow. And so that's the, the question. What are the reasons? Why why are the working age dying um, at, at a greater rate in Minnesota? It's a good question. And if you think back what makes the headlines, the infections, right? I think at the end of the day, what we're all focused on is people living and people staying away from the hospital. So what's what's causing them? It's clearly not completely related to COVID, maybe indirectly. But here's what I found. So for that group, 18 to 55, if you looked at the deaths uh, from a how they died, a manner of death, if you will, accidents, suicide, and homicides uh, were up 24% in 2020 and 45% in 2021. If you looked at that data a little differently and you just pulled out drugs and alcohol, because sometimes uh, drugs and alcohol, it's hard to tell if it's a suicide or an accident or even a natural death. You don't know if it was intended or not. But if you just focus on uh, drug and alcohol related, uh, in 2020, they were up 29%. And in 2021, they were up 82%. Wow. And and one could argue that COVID, in a way, made people sicker and not when it came to, to the virus. Precisely. They were probably eating, drinking, uh, maybe partaking in substances to that they wouldn't have considered before, probably not uh, living a healthy lifestyle and uh, increasing their risk based on decisions they made outside of COVID. Wow. And and to turn our attention then to the ages 5 through 17, uh, again, the death rate you found went up in, in 2020 and in 2021, and COVID basically non-existent among that age category. Correct. So the average, uh, the five-year average, 2015 through 2019 was 158. Uh, that equated to a pretty much flat um, increase over time. And in 2020, the uh, death rate was up by a little over 3%. That equated to six deaths. But in that group, you know, that's a significant number. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you look at 2021, however, this is astounding. That went up almost 24%. That was an increase of 38 deaths. And only four of those were covid which is heartbreaking. We are talking about kids here. Mm-hmm. And and what, what's your thought or what did you find there when it came to the reasons? So I looked into those as well. And I found, if you look at it from a manner of death, accident, suicide, or homicide in 2020, uh, the it, they had an increase of 30%. Zero of those were COVID. And in 2021, 28% of those were due to accident, suicide, or homicide. Four of those were classified as COVID. 
and then if you look at the drug and alcohol, so again, looking at the data slightly different and you just focus on uh, deaths related to drugs and alcohol, this is truly shocking. Uh, in 2020, they were up by 128%. Wow. And in 2021, it was 248%. Wow. What do you hope, Marina, that people take away from those numbers specifically that the death rate climbed almost by a quarter in 2021 in our kids in Minnesota and by almost 50% in in that working age you're talking about, 19 to to 55? Well, I think people are hyper-focused on information that's handed to them. And the information that's handed to them is things like infections. Well, who cares? Uh, the variants that are here now are nowhere near as lethal as they were uh, a few years ago. There's tools out there and uh, there's people that have immunity one way or another. So why don't we focus on the health of people here in Minnesota, the health of people in the U.S.? And my hope is, is that people stop accepting the information, the talking points that people hear and making decisions based on that talking point. Uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't appear that people are interested in taking the responsibility to validate the information that's out there. You're listening to our Minnesota COVID data researcher, Morena Muse, on the podcast with her latest findings. Now, the last topic you wanted to spend a little time talking about today is the VAERS data for Minnesota. So that's the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. But how many deaths in Minnesota specifically have been entered into that system? And explain that, how that determination is basically made. Sure. So um, I actually have a friend of mine that uh, helped me with this. And this person is actually a data uh, scientist. So he is... You guys must be fun together. Let me tell you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, we met each other through... uh, we, We met each other through researching this topic. Um, but he is a data scientist. Um, this is what he does for a living, and his skills are far better than mine. Well, so, and thank God for people like you. Exactly. <laughs> so I would have never been able to find this data on my own. But So he uh, went into the VAERS data and uh, downloaded information specific to Minnesota. And this this information was from the end of March. And so he found that there were... 300, I think it was 366 num- uh, deaths that uh, were entered in VAERS that had a uh, vaccine relation. And so uh, we were talking and we decided it would be interesting to see if we could match those deaths from VAERS to the death certificates in Minnesota. Right, to see. are they? How is that being reflected? Sure. So interestingly enough, in VAERS, uh, in most cases, there is a birth death, birth date, and a death date. So if you take that information, you compare it to the records, uh, and then uh, you can just pick information and you can validate, yeah, that's I'm pretty darn sure that these are the matching records. So of the 366, uh, we were able to match 120 of them because sometimes people don't know what the birth date is when they're entering in VAERS, and you might have incomplete data. Uh, so, But we were able to match 120. Um, and here's what we found. So I looked through those, and just based on the information I have learned, I went through them line by line and, and, and made a judgment call. 
does this realistically sound like it could have anything to do with uh, the vaccine, yay or nay? So I was removing the number is my point. I wasn't assuming Mm -hmm. that all of them were vaccine related. I was reducing the number. Now, what's interesting is that based on the data is it it appears that medical professionals were the ones who were entering the data based on the notes because the information I read I don't think the average person or a loved one would be entering that type of detail. Um, So just my perception. But uh, what I found uh, was that 55 of the 120 uh, were probably not related to the vaccine. Uh, 29, I was on the fence. They were questionable. And 36 of the 120, I felt, were more than likely uh, associated Mm -hmm to the vaccine. And you can tell this from the the information that's entered. It sounds to you like this is legit. So you read like the comments that were made in VARES. And then if you looked at the death certificate and the cause of death, you can kind of piece those together, not to mention the timing uh, of the death and the timing of the vaccine. But interesting, you point out that the death files only had seven or eight references to the vaccine right. at all. So before I started working with my friend, um, I simply looked at the death files in 2021, looking for any record or or statements, comments, et cetera, of uh, the vaccine. And I found, I can't remember, it's either seven or eight. Uh, Most of them were between February and the end of April of 2021. I found one in the fall. Uh, But that's interesting when you compare to the 36 I found. I wonder why nobody hmm. put on the death certificate that there was a a, a, possi- a a connection perhaps to the vaccine. Now, mind you, if you test positive for COVID, they're going to put that on your death certificate, right. Right. but uh, not the vaccine. And let's go through some of these specific examples. Um, start with this 13-year-old you find in the system. Again, these are stories we just haven't heard about, but this is a 13-year-old. Right. And I started youngest and I uh, worked my way up, but uh, the youngest person I found was 13. Uh, that person was vaccinated on June 2nd and they died on June 20th. And so I will read the comments from the person that uh, entered this into VAERS. They said, the patient is a 13-year-old, previously healthy male who was admit- admitted after an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest with ROSC after. And uh, there was a data problem, so it cuts off the rest of it. But uh, So this is a 13-year-old who is vaccinated, which one could argue if they should be at all, um, who dies of, of cardiac arrest related to the vaccine. Uh, this is a, a Minnesota kid. Correct. Minnesota kid. Um, then there's a 26-year-old that that uh, was vaccinated on March 31st, uh, and this is <clears throat> this is all 2021, uh, March 31st, and they died on April 3rd. And the notes from Bears said, after vaccine, patient experienced headache, chills, fatigue, chest pain, and did not seek medical care. He had a witnessed cardiac arrest less than three days after the second vaccination. And then there was a 41-year-old who was vaccinated on April 30th of 2021 and died on May 1st. And that person was found dead at home. And uh, the notes just simply reference that. 
So after your, the time you've spent uh, looking looking at VARES and doing all of this uh, cross-referencing with, with state data, but is VARES, in your opinion, an effective tracking tool? I mean, this has taken you a, a long time to, to, to uncover. I think it's uh, the VARES system would, in my unexpert opinion, uh, just based on what I've seen, there's definitely room for improvement. But what I what I think how I think it's helpful is it's, it's directionally helpful. So just doing the simple information pull that we did and matching it to the death certificates, I think that's helpful in guiding the things that we should be looking at. Any, uh, anything you'd like to, to close with here, Marina, we appreciate you uh, digging into to all of this again, but here we are, um, you know, several months removed from our last conversation uh, there, but there still is a, a lot, a lot to learn. Is your thought still that nobody's looking, nobody's asking the right questions? Sure. So uh, I'll just point out uh, back to the article uh, in Minnesota, which said that uh, being boosted helps. Uh, I pulled up the information on hospitalization, excuse me, on deaths for the last 60 days. And I think it's also helpful to put in perspective uh, back to the article in the Star Tribune, but I think it's it's helpful to point out um, the impact of the vaccination based on age. So from a death perspective, uh, in the 0 to 17 age group, as well as the 18 to 49 age group, so 0 to 49 said differently, um, the unvaccinated had a 0% chance of death, as did the vaccinated. So Wow. Clearly, based on MDH's own data, I don't think that the article that was written supports the data uh, that was there. Good point to end on. Marina Muse, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. That'll do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll be back with more meaningful Minnesota conversations next week. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, or any other podcast platform. Remember, visit alphanews.org to sign up for our free daily newsletter. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.